Thank you so much. I am excited about this opportunity to speak up uh, about something that I'm super passionate about. What we'll talk about today is how one death can lead to impacting many lives. So this picture is uh, pretty much what most people know about me. I've been speaking for about 10 years. I am in the project management field, so I lead program management offices and IT. I've been super passionate about engaging younger people. I intentionally hire millennials. <laughs> Um, because I believe that I can teach them and develop them and mentor them. Um, I have a daughter. Uh, there's Tiffany. Tiffany is 30 years old. She's a cardiac ICU nurse in Houston, Texas. Super proud of her. She just got her master's. She's working on continuing her education. Um, and my son, Miles, is 12. He'll be 13 this year. So the gap in my children shows that God has a sense of humor <laughs> um, and that he definitely wants to keep us on our toes to make sure that we're leading the next generation, so much so that I'm invested in at least the next two generations. The picture there in the middle is a group of interns that I brought in to work for, for me uh, at a program management office at an oil and gas company. So if you think about oil and gas, you don't think millennials, right? Um, and that's exactly why I, I reached out to them. I wanted to love on them and coach them and teach them corporate America, because usually you graduate from college, you go to a job, they give you a laptop and say, figure it out, right? Um, and because at this particular company that I worked for, um, they didn't believe we needed IT anyway, so I could get away with doing whatever I wanted. Um, again, I've traveled and done all of these speaking engagements. I love young people. I'm committed to what I do. And this is what most people knew about me. Here's something that most people did not know. I um, lived my entire life having no conversations about my parents. For most people, my life began when I had my daughter. I didn't talk about high school. I didn't talk about my childhood. Everything that everyone knew about me were those things that I was super proud of that I just showed on the screen. My dad was a, a veteran. He committed suicide at 36 years old. I grew up extremely ashamed of this fact. I didn't want anyone to know that because that's not something that you talk about just you know, on purpose. My mother struggled after my dad committed suicide. She did not have access to resources to have someone help her have this conversation. She struggled with survivor's guilt. Was this my fault? Was there something that I could have done differently? I struggled with that same thing, except I wouldn't talk about it. I pretended that I grew up in a house with a white picket fence and 2.5 kids and a dog, and people would believe that. I had the energy that people would go, Shay must have had an amazing childhood, but it actually affected me in ways that I didn't know. Also, my children have no concept of grandparents. My ex-husband's parents are deceased. My parents, uh, my mom ended up uh, slowly taking her own life and was uh, also deceased by the time I was 27. No siblings, no parents. It's just me out here to figure it out. Here's the great news. There are people who loved me like their own family. I have thousands of brothers and sisters. I got to pick them. They got to pick me. I've got moms and dads and uncles, people who saw something in me that they wanted to coach me and develop me and mentor me. So it's not a bad story. I know people see the title and they're like, oh, suicide. That's, wow, we don't want to talk about that. But one life can impact many lives in a positive way. Does anyone know this guy? Uh, what have you heard him speak about? 
Anybody know? What's your why? What's your why? So, uh, I had the opportunity to meet to meet Simon, and he said, "You know what? You call yourself the millennial mentor, and why? Why do, why do you do that?" And I was like, I, I, "I don't know why, actually." He's like, "You should spend some time uh, and figure out your why. Figure out what's important to you and why you're so focused on the next generation." I did a lot of research. I uh, actually went to therapy for the first time, which was a lot of fun for me, not the therapist. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it was much different than what I expected. My first interaction with a the therapist, she said, tell me a little bit about yourself. And I talked for like 30 minutes. And she said, well, let me do some math. So it sounds like you experienced one suicide, two deaths with your parents, uh, that that action has impacted three generations, yourself, your parents, and now your children. Uh, you've seen a couple of therapists, and so the math was like, I think I hired four therapists and fired five. <laughs> I don't know if that math adds up. Um, I had had multiple medical diagnoses. She was like, you are suffering from PTSD. And I said, no, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm fine, because a white picket fence and 2.5. No, sweetie, that's not your story. You should process the trauma that you've actually experienced. I wasn't used to doing that, nor did I want to. But hearing her just quickly articulate, here are the things that you are actually dealing with. Maybe this is why you're so passionate about being that person for others. This is why we pay the therapist all the money, because I went through six hairstyles also, going back and forth, <laughs> just like I thought it was the hair all the time, and it wasn't. <laughs> oh, so here's some numbers, because I am in project management, and we kind of like data and numbers. I decided to do some research about suicides with military personnel. Last year alone, the number of suicides in military personnel increased exponentially, so much so that an Air Force base took a day of silence. Like, let's just stop and realize that the number, which was 22 a day, service members that would commit suicide, has increased to 25. And that is the ones that are reported. There are suicides that are not reported as such. There are some that are, again, remember we talked about that generational, sometimes it's the spouse, sometimes it's the family. Those numbers don't necessarily get articulated, but this is really a problem. And if we're going to change it, if we're going to do anything about it, we've gotta have this uncomfortable conversation about suicide. Now, I talked also about the fact that I'm very interested in the next generation of leaders. I decided to do a little bit more research. What about millennials? What about the next generation? Is suicide an issue for them as well? And the answer is alarmingly yes. I had the opportunity to speak to a middle school a couple of months ago, and I said, I don't know if I should just go in as career day as just an IT director, because that's cool, or if I should talk about being an author, or if I should actually talk about this mental health epidemic. I was amazed at the number of students who had either experienced someone in their life having committed suicide, having had their own thoughts of suicide, just the mental stress about social media. It was amazing. I learned so much from them. This, this research actually shows that it spans all races, genders, background, socioeconomic, it's a problem for all of us. Here's a, another strange fact. No one's talking about it. You can't go to, I can't go to my church and talk about mental health or suicide prevention. 
I can't go to my organization and have conversations, even with my human resource professionals, because suicide's a bad word. Mental health is something that we should not talk about, unfortunately, just deal with after it happens. So because I'm passionate about the next generation, I wanted to have some numbers and some ideas about what that meant. Now, this is a Sankofa bird. And the African proverb for the Sankofa bird means we must return to the past in order to move forward. There's a story that this Sankofa bird would not fly straight until she fixed her tail feathers. I thought that was awesome. I'm like, that's me. Like, I'm, here I am flying and running into things. But it was because I didn't stop to look back and say, hey, here's my why. Here's why I'm so passionate about teaching and encouraging others. I had to go back. And also, from the African proverb, we all had a role in a, in a village, right? The griot or the storyteller, that's your role. You would sit up and tell the whole village about things that happened in the past so that we could learn from those things. So that means that someone has to be able to stand up and go, I know this is an ugly conversation, and I know no one wants to talk about it, but my role in my village, and my village now is thousands and thousands of people, my role is to be that storyteller and to have that conversation about what's happened in the past to keep it from becoming our future. So here's uh, just kind of a, a, a different picture about the things that I do now. The lower right corner is a letter. So I mentioned that I spoke at a middle school. I will tell you that I spoke at my son's middle school. And he's like, are you going to talk about uh, like that stuff that you write about? And I said, I actually I am. Are you OK with that? And he's like, no, yes, sure. <laughs> I love you, mom, and I'm proud of you. But you do some cool things in IT. But I did talk to those students about that. Um, I received about a month ago a manila envelope in my mailbox, and I had had a horrible day at work. And I pull open this envelope, and I said, oh my goodness, this looks like legal papers. I don't know what it is. It was handwritten letters from sixth, seventh, and eighth grade students. They wrote handwritten letters to thank me for coming and speaking at career day. They talked to me about some of their specific challenges that they were having, and that they were very glad to see that someone was having this conversation. That was bigger and better than any paycheck I've ever received from speaking. This shows me that I am doing exactly what it is that I'm supposed to do, and that if I can do it, we all can do it. I also speak at uh, universities, um, the University of Texas at Dallas. I love this place. I speak there all the time. The last time I went to speak, the, the guy, Renee LaBelle, is usually like, and we'd like to bring up Sherry James. And she's been here a lot of times, and she's great in project management and leadership. This last time, I spoke about the mentally healthy PMO, which is really an oxymoron. If we work in project management, you can't really be mentally healthy. It's, it's hard. But he didn't even want to say the name of my book. He's like, she wrote a book, and I'll let her tell you the name of it. Because even in an environment where you are used to the people and they know you, there's still a stigma around the conversation. Even if there are people that know you and appreciate who you are, it's still a taboo topic. But I'm uniquely qualified to have that conversation. So I talked again. There's that one death, but there's all of these other reactions. There's the shame. There's the stigma. There's the tab taboo. But because of the line of work that I'm in, those things are fun. I appreciate that. 
this is really quickly just a list of some resources. I share this whenever I go and speak because I'm not the person to solve any of the issues that we have, right? I just want people to understand that we have opportunities that my parents did not have. There are resources and websites and phone numbers and people sitting waiting to have a conversation so that you can talk about the stressors that are in your life. I don't want this to be anything like what my parents had to deal with. So as I mentioned, I believe because of my past, I am uniquely qualified. I have a goal to touch 2020 lives in the year 2020, and that's not changing lives or saving lives. I just want people to have conversations. So I'm tracking that via social media. I have a hashtag, hashtag 2020 lives. So in the event that you find this as resonating with you, please use that hashtag just so that I can track and see how that's going. Um, and that's it. Um, I very much appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me.